It Never Rains is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. For example, Oregon is in the Pac-12 championship game on Friday against Utah at Levi Stadium in Santa Clara. I'm peeking quickly at ticket prices on GameTime, and the lowest price ticket is $38. That's pretty unbelievable. That's cheaper than my Thanksgiving dinner on Thursday, which, you know, heck, I could have probably used GameTime for that too. Anyways, to get in the door at the lowest ticket prices possible and the best seats possible, check out GameTime. The GameTime app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on ticket prices up to 60% off. Stop. It never rains at Austin Stadium. Hey, happy Monday, everyone, and welcome back to It Never Rains. We hope you had a great holiday weekend. Uh, Tyson Alger here, joined by Aaron Fentress. We finally thawed out from Oregon's 24-10 Civil War win on Saturday, a game that was cold and kind of cold offensively, too. It was kind of a relatively lackluster game, but we got a Pac-12 championship game coming up on deck on Friday, Oregon versus Utah. It's in Santa Clara, California. I'm sure it will be a packed 100% 100% sold out Levi Stadium on, on Friday. <laughs> You're joking, right? Spot the lie. <laughs> What's like, up, Tyson? Like, How you doing? I'm good, man. I, I, had, I had a good little uh, good little Thanksgiving weekend. I think that, I think this Monday is always a tough one to uh, come out of because, you know, you have, uh, you have the holiday on Thursday, and then usually we work on Friday or Saturday, and then, you know, you're kind of like uh, – you're like the last person coming back to a party where everyone's been off for four days and you're like, Oh, Sunday. And then, then it's 8am and we're doing a podcast here and talking about uh, a PAC 12 title game. That's not quite as, as exciting as we thought it was going to be a couple weeks ago. Right. They just, I don't know, dude, the, the last three weeks have been extremely disappointing. I think watching this team sort of fade a little bit down the stretch, even though they won two of the three games, they don't look like a playoff team. I'm happy for them. They're not in the playoffs because I think they would get yeah. completely smashed right now. And I fear that Utah is going to completely manhandle them on Friday, based on what I saw Saturday. You know, I I, I would say like you know you could you could make some sort of argument of being like, well, you know, there was it was a come down after the Arizona State game, and you know, the playoff hopes are dashed and all that. But I mean, like we've we've seen Oregon's offense play like this in multiple games this year. Um, and w- what kind of really struck me is you know they're playing an Oregon State team that's on their backup quarterback making his first career start. This was a game that Oregon was already favored to win by. I think multiple touchdowns before Luton was even out, and the the Ducks just didn't look like a team that had, that have, you know, you you would expect a team that thought it could have been in the playoff to kind of be peaking at this time of the year, and in the last two weeks have been um, some of the worst football Oregon's played all year, and I, I think that's relatively concerning as you head into a game against Utah, who, I mean. Aside from that one USC loss, which like, hey, USC has been a streaky team this year. Utah's Utah's been dominating opponents. Like they they haven't been just squeaking by teams like like Oregon has. Like U, Utah looks far and away like the best team in the, the conference right here. Yeah, Utah's giving up eleven points per game, which is is that a record? Like I can't remember in, in the years I've been covering the conference. I remember when I think uh, maybe UW had it down to like fifteen or so, maybe sixteen. I don't remember right. anything close to 10. I mean, 11, that's just ridiculous. They're giving up 200 yards per game less than Oregon State. 
56 yards rushing, dude. <laughs> How do you hold teams to 56 yards rushing? That's just not even right. Uh, it, it just the thing about the Oregon State game that killed me. They had some moments. Like obviously, they had moments. You're gonna have moments. They couldn't finish anything. They couldn't finish any drives. They scored three touchdowns in that game, and one was the last one with 20 yards out, set up by the turnover at the end of the game, which is, was mm-hmm. meaningless. And the other one was a kickoff return. And then they had and the then one the, touchdown pass to Giant Johnson, which came off a pretty good field position uh, to start yeah, with on that yeah, drive. That came, the, yeah, that came off of like a 28-yard haul and punt, punt return, which I think they punt, started yeah. at I think they started at Oregon State's like 38 or something like that. Right. Was that Holland? Yeah. You said? Yeah. Uh, so they didn't have one legitimate touchdown drive against Oregon State, who had been getting like game up 50-plus to uh, Washington State, had some other games that gave up a ton of points. It's it's mystifying. And again, you got a first round pick at quarterback. You got a senior laden offensive line. They were talking the whole game on TV about 208 career combined starts, the most in the nation. And they look like they never played together on some plays. Uh, it's just it's just weird that they would be this abysmal. And to me, like the Arizona game, Arizona game, you and I both agree was like they won 33 six, and we're kind of like eh, or 34 six. We're kind of like eh, what was that, right? right. This is. T- 24-10 against Oregon State. Like, this is worse. And they won, so I feel bad about it saying this, but they're going up against a monster Friday, and I just feel like they're not prepared for it. Yeah, and the, that's that was kind of what I wrote after that game on Saturday was, like, you know, it's it's okay to view this view that game in the context. Because, you know, like, talking to, like, Troy Dye afterwards, you know, he was pretty reflective on, like, hey, like, you know, you know, it was senior night, and I think those guys are looking back, especially since their last game at Austin. It's just like, hey, like we've come a long way since that that four and eight season, and it's okay to look at that and be like, hey, you know, like like let them be happy after this game. Like you know, they have come a long way, but it's also okay to look at it in the, in the grand sense of like that this was a team that's not playing that great of football right now, and and it's coming at a time of the year where they they might get smacked around this week if if, if they don't fix that, and I, I think that's that's completely worth noting both sides of that thing. Oh, absolutely. Like, first of all, <clears throat> the players shouldn't care what we say either way. <laughs> they should never care if we're like, right. oh, my God, these guys are great. Wait, 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 Yeah, the players, the players shouldn't at all. Like, we're, we're talking to the fans who follow no, no. the team. What, you know, they, they should know. They should want to know what we think. <laughs> and then so they can mock us, right? Um, but exactly. so, yeah, they should be happy. They won. They, they, you know, they went out on top. They beat Oregon State in the Civil War. And Justin Herbert should be happy. Yay. But I guarantee you the coaching staff went back and watched that game film. And they're saying the same things we're saying. They're like, holy crap, dude. What is our problem? How do we just how do we not score a legitimate offensive touchdown on, on a drive in that game against that team? I guarantee you they're saying the same things over there. Um, so I don't think we're being overly harsh. I think we're just, we're just saying the, the truth. Uh, so yeah, I don't know, man. I, I just, I, here's the thing. If they lose this game and Utah doesn't get in the playoffs and goes to the Rose bowl and Oregon ends up in the Alamo bowl, if they go from playoff to, to Alamo. Alamo, there'll be 15 duck fans at that game and they'll all have Texas addresses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like it, it would be, it would be a hard sell. Like e- even if like, uh, let's say there wasn't playoff expectations this year and like the Alamo bowl was like a, Oh, Hey, like, you know, they, they had a nice little season. The ducks are going to the Alamo bowl. Everything's good. I still think that would be a t- tough sell getting Oregon fans to their third Alamo bowl this decade. But now when you have <laughs> the other way around where it was playoffs or bus, it seemed like the last couple of weeks. And then you pull that rug out underneath and then you, 
yeah, I, I, I don't think there's going to be that many fans there. I, I, I'm legitimately interested to see like what sort of crowd like the Rose Bowl would be because like the Rose Bowl still has like some of that luster to it, and obviously uh, Southern California is a big area for Oregon and its alumni base and everything. But, uh, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'd just be fascinated to see what that even that's like. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think that the Oregon fans who are you know ho hum about everything after not making the playoffs, I think that after. Like, let's say it's Oregon, Penn State uh, in the Rose Bowl. Um, I think a month of that hype will get those people who are whining about the playoffs reinvigorated. Like, you know what? Yeah, we didn't make the playoffs. I'm over that now. Man, we're playing Penn State. The last time we played Penn State in the Rose Bowl, they beat us. Yeah, that was 30-some-odd years ago, or 40-some-odd years ago. But, man... Wait a minute. No, I'm 30. Yeah, 35, right? Anyway, whatever. Uh, man, that'd be nice to beat Penn State. That would be the biggest win for the program since Florida State. This would be a big deal. Let's go. Plus, it's in Southern California where there are a ton of a Duck fans, a Duck alum down there in, in the state of California in general. So I think it would actually do pretty well. Um, and I think going to that game would be a huge boost for every aspect of this program and its growth moving forward. That's the game you want to go to. The Alamo Bowl... That's not going to hurt anything in terms of the momentum of the program, I don't think, uh, because I think they're doing some good things. I don't think, like, I don't think people are going to decommit because they go to the Alamo Bowl. Right. Um, but I think it does take some spark off of the season for sure. So, so you said you you did a big film, or you're working on a film study from the game Saturday. Just from from watching <clears throat> yeah. that, like, what do you think is the biggest thing holding the offense back right now? It's it's a combination of a lot of weird things that they that they do that just lead to mistakes. Like they ran a running play where they had um, the left guard and left tackle both pull, so the center blocks down on the on the defensive tackle, but no one accounts for the end. Usually, when you have both the tackle and guard pull, someone accounts for the end because whatever you're running is not going to develop fast enough for a defensive end not to just run right down and chase the back down. Well, no one blocked that guy, and that guy just came down and just tackled. I think it was Verdell for a loss. And it's just look look at that play. Like what? Why are you running that play? Like what? Why would you even do that? <laughs> and there was and then there's another play they ran where they had. Um, unbalanced to the right. They literally had three linemen to the right and a tight end and then a wing. So you had five on that side. Then you had two on the other side. You motion Johnson in and you run a dive play. Well, Johnson comes in to block the backer, but no one accounts for the the corner that came into the box with Johnson and the corner just crashes down the line and tackles Habib Lakeo for like a two-yard gain. That was on third and one. And then they went for it on fourth and one on the same play, but they went to the right, the right side they should have gone to, and they got it. But later they ran that exact same play the exact same way the first time, and it got blown up again by the same corner. And I was like, why are you coming back to that again when the the math doesn't add up? You don't have enough blockers to block that side. Uh, And then in the passing game, just, you know, like overthrows, um, guys not just being open at all. It's like, really, you can't get guys open against Oregon State? Protection issues, uh, you know, they they got cute with a Camp Moria in the wing, and then Aiello sort of gives them a signal telling him to go inside on the snap. So they snap the ball. Camp Moyer goes inside to block in the middle on pass pro, and the linebacker just goes right by him. And so I'm thinking to myself, okay, again, you're trying to be cute. Look, we're going to bring the, the tight end in the wing, and we're going to bring him inside. He's going to pick up a guy up the middle while the offensive line just lets the guy shoot the gap. Well, you better know what you're doing if you're doing that, or your quarterback's dead. And guess what? The guy ran right by Camp Moyer and sacked the quarterback. And then another play, you have smallest die picking up a blitz, 
and just gets just shoved aside and sacked Herbert. Well, why isn't that Habibi Lakio? If you you know, I'm not you can't always just have Habibi Lakio in there when you're going to pass for pass pro because I might tip people off unless you just run Habibi Lakio, who they refuse to run on a normal basis. And I can just go on and on and on for all the little miscues and, and, and things like that. And then last but not least, a lot of people are tripping out about the fly sweep to Felix. I'm sure people remember on Twitter, people were freaking out about that on that fourth down or third. Was it third? Uh, fourth down, right? Remember that? Uh, yeah. I lose you. <laughs> I, I don't remember if that was third or fourth. Anyway, so that was not a bad call. It was horribly blocked. It was like the, two guys double teamed it in and let someone just shoot the gap. So Habibi Lakio had to pick him up instead of getting outside the lead on the sweep. Plays blown up. So there's just always this series of just little executional things that just kill this team. And if they play like that on Saturday, I guarantee you they're going to get annihilated. And one more point, the quick screen, which they lived off of against Auburn, <clears throat> which is what you lean on when you know you can't go downfield because of pass protection issues, which shouldn't have been there against Oregon State, and for the most part weren't. They're going to be there against Utah. Oregon State on the first drive sniffed out all three quick screens that Oregon ran and blew them up, just completely destroyed them. They were obviously keying in on those. Utah is going to do the same thing. So if you can't run and you can't run your quick screen game, you got to drop back and throw. And if you can't protect, it's going to be a long day. Hey, you, and you brought, scene. <laughs> Aaron Fentress, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter <laughs> at Aaron Fentress. Uh, one thing you brought up there that I, uh, that I wanted to ask about, do you think there's enough differenti- or there, there's enough difference between the way that Verdell and Die run that – it's warranted to have them being one and two on the depth chart and then Cyrus as number three? Or do you think that Cyrus should overtake one of those two guys just because he offers something completely different? Because, you know, the way the way we've seen it this year is, you know, they, they seem to use Verdell and Die pretty much, you know, as one for the other at, at times. And, and Cyrus is always, you know, kind of the, the guy that comes in and goal line stuff. But, you know, we just talked about the way that they're they're using those guys to pick up blitzes and stuff. And I don't think that's Dye's specialty. Um, why why use kind of two similar guys and then bring in the third? That's a perfectly legit question. I think clearly, for whatever reason, and we're not there, you know, Verdell and Dye are grading out higher in whatever they want those guys to do. They do give you some more speed, some more wiggle. Um, but... I don't think either one of them is special. Neither one of them is LaMichael or Barner or DeAnthony, you know, even Jeremiah you. Johnson, you know, to where it's like, this guy is so good, we got to have him on the field at all times. I think there's definitely room for Cyrus to get more carries. Now, for all we know, Cyrus is making mistakes that we're not privy to. You know, right. we don't know for sure. Maybe in practice, he's grading out worse. He's not remembering certain things or doing things right. I don't know. We're not there. But you're 100% correct. Like, Neither one of those guys is so great where they have to be on the field to the point where you can't mix Cyrus in. If he's not, even if he's not getting the second most carries, he shouldn't be getting five to their 15 and 12, I don't think. And he definitely should be in more often on obvious passing situations. And if you have him in on, on downs where you are going to pass and have him protect and you don't want the team to know, okay, when he's in, he's going to protect, then give him some more carries to keep defenses honest. But, you know, just watching Dye just get bowled over, like Utah is going to be bringing it, man. They're going to come. They're going to they're going to dare Oregon to try and stand in the pocket and pass against them. You better have some beef back there to pick those guys up or it's going to be a long day for Herbert. Um. Let's do a little like quick reflection on the regular season as a whole. Uh, so Oregon finishes ten and two. Uh, they're number what are they number third? I guess the the new playoff ranking will come out tomorrow. But they're in kind of like that. You know, they were thirteen AP right? Yeah, thirteen fourteen range. Um, it's a it's a multiple game improvement over last season. I think ten and two is probably. 
I think that's what I guessed on the season coming in. I think you're probably I think you were right around there too. Um just 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 for look, looking back at these 12 games, what was kind of like your biggest um you know like your high point for it and like what was kind of like your biggest disappointment for it? Uh the high point I think obviously was USC. I think that's when I was convinced that they had turned the corner and really had a shot to get into the playoffs. Like yeah. That's a, you know, it's a talented USC team. Yes, they had a freshman quarterback, but you dropped 56 at USC. That's that's a good sign. And they were they were firing on all cylinders in that game. And plus, and, and that's Johnson a USC a and game. that's a USC team that's played pretty decent football this year. I mean, you know, Slovis has been you know outside of that game, he's been one of the most dynamic quarterbacks in in the Pac-12, if not the country, over the last you know month or two. So yeah, I agree 29 there. touchdowns, I think eight picks, or something like 28 and nine, I think, for a true freshman thrown into the fire after the starter goes down. That's that's pretty impressive. Like ASU and uh, USC got it going on with their freshman quarterbacks. Uh, moving forward, so that for me was like the highlight. I see that in the UW game, the way they <clears throat> withstood what you what you dubbed throughout them, and the way Herbert responded in the fourth quarter, and Cyrus. Those were the two high points. The low point really um, is these these past two weeks. I think that's pretty clear. The fact that their offense they scored one touchdown of offense first three quarters at ASU. You know they rallied in the fourth. Okay, great. But and then this past game they scored. You know, two offensive touchdowns, one late when it didn't really matter, and the other one set up by a good punt return. So the offense falling apart these last two weeks is definitely a low point. But I think at, on the whole, ten and two. I mean, come on, you know, ten and two. I, I think I don't think I quite had them getting ten. I think I sort of settled at around nine and three. But I felt after the Auburn game, we were looking at a potential conference champion, and, and they are in position to win it. Um, but I, there's no way anyone can be <clears throat> upset about the season. I don't think. Right. Um, again, I'm not I'm not invested emotionally. I'm not a Duck fan, so it's easy for me to say. But if you came into the season, someone said they're going to go ten and two. Ninety nine percent of fans would be happy. The problem is they were teased a little bit with the potential of the playoffs, and that didn't happen. So it feels like a letdown. But I think you know, come on. At the end of the day, ten and two looks good. But if they finish say ten and four and lose these next two, then I think people have reason to be disappointed. Yeah, no, I, I think that's completely fair. Uh, high points for me, game wise, those same two games. I, I, I don't think I've been more impressed with this team than I was watching them come back in that Washington game because you know we've we've seen them be front runners before, and and while I, uh, you know, I think USC was probably the best that they've played all year. Um, frankly, we hadn't seen you know this team be able to kind of rally through adversity like they did and towards the tail end of that Washington game. And that was one that made me go like, okay, you know, this this team might have something here. Um, Disappointing-wise, obviously you have those two games, but I'm going to just take something as a whole. I think just as a whole, like this offense has been a little disappointing for the amount of talent that they had coming back, the offensive line, Herbert and everything. And, and by, by no means were they bad this season. I mean, they still rank pretty highly and, and Herbert had a good statistical season, but um, I, I think it's, it's been 12 games of still going like, okay, like when are these guys going to play like they should? And I, I just don't think it's been the kind of the sum of the parts at this point this year. And, and that's not to say it's completely held them back. I mean, hell, they just they scored 50 something points against USC. But the, these last two weeks, you know, and I know there's been injuries and all that, but like you, you'd think that you'd be able to score more than, you know, two two offensive touchdowns against your rival in, in your final home game of of uh, uh, the season. And I, I just I just think it's it's left a man. Oregon, Oregon didn't quite get everything out of uh, its talent on the field this year. I, I think that's kind of my my disappointment. You know, they're averaging 36 points per game. I think they were at 34 last year. That's slight improvement, but again. I, 
to me, to me, with that offensive line and that quarterback, you should be closer to 40. Like you should be a 41-42, especially with some of the down teams in the North this year. And and the fact that your defense was slamming people a lot of the time, which means you were getting the ball in good field position, you were getting ample opportunities to score. Um, and they just they just couldn't do it. And it, it it's it's I think it's a little alarming. Okay, let me back that up. From the standpoint of them actually reaching the playoffs, which is what people want. Right. I feel like moving forward, that ain't gonna happen. Like anytime soon. Now, if Tyler Shuck's a myth and a god and takes things to another level, great. But I feel like if you couldn't get a, a championship caliber, to me, a playoff caliber uh offense out of this crew, why are you gonna get one out of the next crew? I mean, we'll see. The receivers are probably gonna get a little better because they've had some good recruits. Tyler Shuck could be amazing, we don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I felt I was totally o- underwhelmed by the offense this year. Again, <laughs> you think they have any change? I mean, so we'll 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 get more into the the actual title game later this week. We'll we'll try to have uh, Chris Camerani, our Utah writer, on. Um, I, I, I assume you're leaning Utah on this thing. Yeah, which means Oregon's going to win because I've been <laughs> every yeah, time exactly. I go one way with Oregon, it goes the other way, right? Every time I say like, you know, I mean, I've gone through this last time. I think when I think oh, I want to see them against a good offense, they they crush Colorado. Then, okay, this team's dominant. Then the defense gives up points against UW and Washington State. Oh, and then I think they're going to lose USC and they crush USC. Oh, I think they're going to run the table and they just lost to Arizona State. So if I say they're going to lose Friday, that means they're probably going to win. But yeah, I think on paper you look at this game, you're like, okay, there's. The only way they're going to win is if the defense rises up and shuts down Utah, get a couple turnovers, and you can win maybe you know twenty to seventeen or something like that. But I would be shocked as of right now if this Oregon offense can reach twenty. Like, how on paper do you look at this Oregon offense right now and say they're going to score twenty against Utah when they couldn't score twenty on offense against Oregon State? And and I I, I just feel like it's going to feel like if if, if it's not doesn't feel like an, a road game, it's just going to feel like one of those like weird neutral no air in the stadium atmospheres like it was last yeah. time we were in Santa Clara just because like it's so if if, the, if this game was the game that we thought it was going to be two or three weeks ago when both teams like it was kind of like win or get in for the playoff or at least for the chance of the playoff I, I think Oregon fans would have traveled very well um if for Oregon's sake I kind of hope they booked their tickets already you know a couple weeks ago because I, I I don't know I just I just don't feel like there's a ton of hype um for this game and and you know you we, I haven't seen Utah in, in this type of game before, but I know like for hoops, like when you go to Vegas for like the Pac-12 tournament, like Utah fans travel awfully well. Um, San Francisco semi-close. I, I imagine there's probably going to be a lot of red in the stands at this game, especially with what they have to play for. Yeah, I would agree. I, I do think being in the Bay Area <clears throat> is going to help a lot because there's a lot of Oregon fans in that area. True. And they're going to be like, hey, let's go check out the game. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, but it's going to be half full, right? I mean, what do they draw for those games down there? Well, remember, remember when we were there in 2014 for the Arizona one, and like it was maybe half full at yeah. at, at most. Like, and now as a team going to the national championship game, or national playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I I don't I don't know how many like Arizona fans were like, oh hell yeah, let's get in on this thing. Um, <laughs> like 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 or, or like or, Oregon fans, I think were like 75 percent of the crowd that one. I I don't know if that's going to be the case this week but um i don't know like it it, 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 it's tough doing this week to week because you know like we you know we we review the the latest game we saw and you know we don't necessarily put it into full context of the the entire season because like as you were just talking about like 10 and 2 10 and 2 is a really good season for an Oregon team that 
um, has steadily improved over the last three years, you know, starting from four and eight and they've had all this turnover and everything. So like, like, I don't, I don't think people should think that like we're down on this season, but like, it's just, you know, we're, we're taking the weekly barometer and, and right now it's, it's, it's certainly not what it, it could have been, uh, you know, when everyone was kind of gearing up for this thing three weeks <clears> ago. So, um, maybe, maybe it's still, uh, the tryptophan in the system or, or whatnot, but it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I, I think our, I think our takes are legit because, you just you don't understand why they can't find consistency on offense. Like it doesn't make any sense, and that's why you're like, well, wait, why why are they like this? Why is this happening? And that's that's a downer if you're a fan, and for us, it's perplexing. And I, I think that's a legitimate take. They did they didn't win Saturday, but coming off ASU, that was not very impressive. Uh, the um, Oregon Arizona Pac-12 title game 2014 drew 45,000, which that's pretty good. Okay, that's better than that's I remember. Two thir- that's two thirds of the stadium. Um, it would be interesting to see if this one There was no way down. in hell was there 45,000 at that game. <laughs> that's, what, that's what the attendance says. How, how, how much is it? How many people does it say was at the Red Box Bowl this past year? I got it. Last yeah. year's Red Box Bowl was 30,212. Yikes. To watch the barn burner of the Oregon Ducks beat Michigan State 7 to. God damn, that was a bad game. <laughs> so bad. Michigan State's uh, quarterback was so clueless. Kid. That the Red Box Bowl last year just had like like the whole like run up to it was just like oh yeah there's a football game being played on Saturday like you know like even even when we got down there you got you get to like the media hotel and they had the little like you know they they trotted out the the coaches for the, like the press conference and uh, Michigan State's coach didn't really look like we wanted to be there you know I I, I think Chris Ball was was happy because obviously it was his first bowl game and his first year as coach but like yeah. then then we went out to a practice and like. There, you know, there's it was like a closed practice. There, there wasn't really you know, at some of the bowl games. You know, fans kind of wait outside practice and all that. This one just was just like a, you know, a practice in the middle of a community college center, you know, south of town. And then the game happened, and there was one touchdown. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, what, what I'm trying to say is, I'll be completely fine with the Alamo Bowl. You know, I th- I think that would be fun. I would be completely fine, more than fine with the Rose Bowl. That would be fun too. Just don't. Send me back to the Red Box Bowl, please. I can't go to. I I don't like going to games at Levi Stadium. I don't. I don't think it's a fun sta- stadium to cover games in. I've never seen a really great game in there. It's always quiet. the The walls are walled off, so you can't hear the crowd. Not that they're making any noise. I don't think Oregon ever plays particularly well there. Um, can I keep ranting, or, or, or am I good? Have I have have no, I? Oh, you're hit, on a roll. Keep going. And I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> It's not the place was built for the NFL one, and and so and the college games they have there are neutral site games, so they're not going to pack, and so that's and so it ends up feeling like you're in a you know partially empty stadium with a bunch of fans who are because it, it doesn't even have the, a college how, feel to it. Like right. you can have the same amount of people in Austin, but it feels like you're at a college game. You could have this game in Utah and Rice Eccles, and it'll have it put forty five thousand there, and it'll be it'll feel you'd feel the energy because it'd be a Utah home crowd in Utah. Having it a neutral site like this downplays the actual excitement of a college atmosphere because in an NFL stadium, that's not packed. And that's just a fact. I think they were made a mistake having a neutral site, although I'm all for Vegas starting yeah, next I was, year. I was, I, was about, I, was to, I was about to say, I'm, I'm all in for that. Yeah, <clears throat> But I think hopefully the fans for the best record should, should be in play. Yeah, that would be fun. How are Niners games at Levi's? That Seahawks game was, was rocking. Yeah, um, I mean, that, that one's not fair because that was one of the most anticipated games um, of this regular season, but well, I asked you a question. I'll this, let you. I'll let you answer. That's I've I've been there for <laughs> mm, 
I think I've only been there for one other NFL game. That was last year's 49ers Seahawks game. And that's when the 49ers were kind of weak. So it wasn't fully packed. But the Niners fans were pretty much into it. I mean, if you have a home crowd that's at the game, they're going to be into it. And the home crowd or the crowd making noise is what, what's make, is what makes the game electric. Um, and when you have a neutral side, you just you, you sort of diminish that electricity, especially when the place isn't packed. So that's why I think the neutral side thing is not the best for this game. But we'll see. Well, you know, I uh, <laughs> I imagine that you had a nice Thanksgiving, though. You got a 24 to 20 win over the Lions. I mean, Trubisky, that probably, baby. That's probably more. Yeah, than you're right? he's turning the corner. <laughs> you see that 95 yard touchdown drive he led them on? Woo, look uh-huh. like Joe Montana. Yeah, exactly. You know, with the Chiefs, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Montana was good with the Chiefs. Um, yeah, that was that was fun. I had a good I had a good Thanksgiving. Turkey dinner good, with man. all the fixings. Yeah, three NFL games, hanging out with the fam. It was fun. How about you? Yeah, yeah. I uh, I didn't do a whole lot of anything, and honestly, I was kind of completely content with that. My uh, my wife's a nurse and had was working a seven to seven, and so I I sat on the couch and watched a fair amount of football, and then I turned on The Irishman at the end of the night. The Ooh, new Netflix is that and, good? Uh, it what parts of the part that I watched was good, but uh, it's three and three and a half hours. I fell asleep like two hours into it. I still have a whole movie to watch, so uh, Man, that will be that, that that will probably be the end of this evening. Joe, Joe Pesci is really good in it. Um, I mean, everyone's pretty good in it, but um, yeah, it's a uh, Pesci, Pesci, De Niro, and who's the other one? Uh, Pacino. Oh my god, that's just all star cast. That's, a, that's three it's of the kind of, greatest movie gangsters ever. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of funny that they have like that that big of a cast and it's coming. Out. I, w- I wonder how much like Netflix invested in this thing to be because oh, I, I know it did like a couple film festivals earlier on, but uh, to kind of have that large of a movie be exclusively on Netflix is uh, um, exactly why you come and listen to the it Never Rains podcast. Our Netflix our, reviews, our, our Netflix movie reviews. <laughs> All I, right, did folks. you watch, have, have you watched Highwayman with a uh, Woody Harrelson? Highwayman. And, um, um, Kevin Costner. I mean, dude, Netflix is rolling out some stuff. No, with, I with haven't seen superstars. that one. I, I like That's the one about chasing down uh, Bonnie and Clyde. Did that just it's come out? The, I, don't know, I think it's about for a little while, but it's about how they hunted down Bonnie and Clyde. Okay, you heard of Bonnie and Clyde, right? Were, were they a quarterback and wide receiver for? Uh, uh... <laughs> they were the Kansas City Chiefs quarterback receiver combination in the seventies. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, those, okay, I've seen stuff on Bonnie and Clyde before. I've read stuff on Bonnie and Clyde before. And just watching this movie, it didn't really focus on them. It focused on hunting them. Mm-hmm. But they showed some of the murders. Like, they showed them in a way that you weren't, like, you were kind of, like, watching from afar. Like, they would have, like, a farmer comes out and sees them kill two cops from afar, from a distance. And then they speed off. And it's like, man, they were freaking psycho. They're, it's just amazing how many psycho people have lived in the past and and gotten away with stuff, but they got they got theirs in the end. Man, that's, you should watch that. That's really good stuff. Highwayman or highway, I, I, yeah, highwayman. I, I want to isolate that little quote from you. That then it's it's crazy how many crazy people there are. <laughs> <laughs> just, these All two right. were psycho, dude. They literally just driving around shooting people, mostly police I, officers. The, Bonnie Bonnie was four foot eleven, ninety pounds, walking around jacking people up with a shotgun. It's just and they were like stars. Like people like worship them. It was crazy. Well, if you're four foot eleven, like who's going to think that you're packing a shotgun? I mean, it's, it's really actually kind of <laughs> how efficient. could you miss the shotgun? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. 
Well, anyways, thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> this is uh, It Never Rains. Uh, we'll be back on... Uh, Maybe we can get a Netflix uh, sponsorship if we do like a Netflix review every week. Exactly. We'll be back later this week uh, <laughs> with our uh, episode exclusive for athletic subscribers. And uh, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to uh, a, a big week of Oregon football coming up here. Yeah.